Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. So with titles and trophies on the horizon, we now know who'll be going head-to-head in the Premiership Final at Twickenham in just under two weeks' time. And that, along with the European Champions Cup final just around the corner, there's plenty of top-class rugby action to discuss. Joining me to do just that is the very lovely Sara Elgin. Hi, Sara. <laughs> Hi, Lawrence. You said that in a very Welsh way then. Wow. Sara Elgin. I liked it. Um, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I've had good. a uh, really good week. Busy. I joined uh, Mike Tindall. He had a golf event. Uh, lots of people there. Amazing event, actually, up at the Belfry. It was a beautiful day. Everyone played well. We went up the night before, so just to get to know each other. And, you know, you've got to do a bit of stretching before you play golf. So uh, make sure oh, we're yeah. in the right shape. And, okay. uh, yeah. It was a fun day, really fun. Yeah. And uh, back with us from the Evening Standard, it's Steve Calling. How are you, Steve? Um, well, Sarah, how are you? Nice yeah, to see really you both. Good. Yeah, you too. What have you been up to since we last spoke then? Well, I've been hanging out with an England captain. We had Marley Packer oh, come into the Evening that. Standard offices uh, last week. We did a little internal presentation with her, a little Q&A. Great to catch up with her and see what she's been up to for the last Steve, couple just, of weeks. Just dropping names, dropping slam. names, dropping yeah, names. Well, That's I'm, 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 without sounding like a stalker, I'm actually going to see her again tomorrow at Ronnie Scott's. So oh, you do go. sound like a stalker now. I know, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's nice. Caught up with a little Eurovision as well. Did we both watch that? Do you know what, right? I am like such a Eurovision fan that I know that's probably not the coolest thing ever to say in the world, but like since I, I was a kid, now. I've watched it. Is it? That's good then. then were, you happy? Go. Were, you, were you happy with Sweden, Sard? Did they deserve that? Not really. We quite liked Israel in our house, but you know, it's Eurovision, isn't it? And I thought the presenters were brilliant and it was in Britain, so it was it was all good. It was all good, yeah. We were back in Finland. I have to say, Britain was very disappointing though, wasn't it? But there it's we a go. tough gig though, isn't it? That like it's a tough gig to pull off. I think Lawrence is nodding. I'm not sure he's like. Have you ever watched a Eurovision Song Isn't Contest it? through it's Lawrence it's from it's seven it's o'clock it's in the evening it's till midnight? I want to say anything, but I did. I, I was part of a number one hit single, um, what? and what? I, I was part of a number one hit single with Tina Turner back in the day. Uh, and I Which did, one? Obviously, we don't need another hero. Mad Max Three. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason. Are you I, lying? No, I'm not. I got. I get royalties now. I mean, obviously, there's a reason why it went to number one uh, and nothing to do with me and everything to, <laughs> everything to do with Tina Turner. you got to explain your part in this. What, yeah, what, you what, what are you on about? Well, I, I was a child chorister. I used to sing till my voice broke. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I sung in Evita. I sung at uh, Backing Singers to Barry Manilow. You were a chorister. Yeah, I know. Okay. Honestly, there, there once was an innocent young boy in... Somewhere. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Um, we haven't seen him for a few years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't, listeners, honestly, slanderous. This is slanderous. Um, I kind of no. almost don't want to talk about rugby. I kind of almost just no. want to stay on this Chorister so, story. So we, but... we, re- we recorded at Abbey Road Studios, and it's called We Don't Need Another Hero, and it was with Tina Turner, and it was the most amazing experience, and it did go to number one in quite a few countries around the world. And I do get some royalties, small ones, and I do pass them straight on to the charity. But everyone's wonder why I sing the national anthem, like, it's belted out. Because I love singing. What was Tina like? Amazing. Was she? Yeah. Oh, honestly, now this is this is one of the best stories I've ever heard coming from you. Uh, okay, then we better move on. We better start talking about rugby then, and let's introduce our guest, Chewy. He spent nine years playing for Wasps, making more than a hundred appearances for the club before joining Harlequins in October last year and helping them end the season in sixth place in the Premiership table. A new club awaits for next season, and in between all the rugby, he also manages to run a drinks business, which he's going to tell us all about. Is Josh Bass? Hi, Josh. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you for coming on. It's great to see you. I know it's nice. Now in the off season, a week in, so settled down, got back into family life. No more driving up and down the M40, which the missus is happy about. So. <laughs> I bet. Well, this Josh, uh, as Sarah said, thank you for coming on. You're a bit of a old hat at uh, podcasts because uh, I think I listened to Any Sting Goes that you had with uh, Tom Cruise at once. That was good. So. It was very good. So uh, well done for that. Um, listen, you've had the most incredible year. I think our listeners would appreciate that you started your season at Wasps. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. You've ended it at Harlequins. And back in January, I think it was, you announced that next season you'd be joining Leicester Tigers. So as well as all the physical challenges of playing professional rugby, you've been through the complete roller coaster of mental and emotional ones as well. Uh, from the situation at Wasps, having to move away, you've got a young family, uncertain about the future. Give us a little insight into how it's been this year and how you've managed to deal with it. I mean, I guess you're one of the good news stories because you've come out the other side, you know, playing well, scoring tries like you always do, and you're joining a top team next season. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. It's been one of them years where you kind of look back and can't believe it's all happened in such a short space of time. Like you said, I've gone from being at one club for nine years to then going to be at three within a year, which is, is surreal. Mentally and kind of emotionally taking it right back to when everything happened at Wasps. A lot of people have spoke about their kind of experiences it and and what happened, but I can't tell you how much positivity there was in that room up until the last seconds of when the administrator actually spoke for the first time. Everyone believed, you know, that something was going to come out of it and we were still going to be there. There was no negativity up until, like I said, the last few seconds. So it was ultra positive. And then you obviously come out the other side of it. And like everyone said, the feeling in that room, you know, the emotion just got taken out of it. There was everything from kind of people who didn't know how to cope with it, you know, crying, everything like that. And people didn't want to leave the room because that was the last time we were going to be together as a group, which is so surreal. And then you kind of get back to your family and then that's when it's like, right, what's next? And I was fortunate in the fact of being, you know, the first person to get a club when it all happened, which is, is tough because I can remember ringing Lee. So I rang Lee and Lee's like, oh, I thought you'd be in today because obviously they kept the training ground open. And I was like, um, yeah, about that. I've, I've got an opportunity to go to Quinn's. And he, he was like, grab it. And it was hard because you still felt bad. You still felt attached. You still felt part of it. And you, I felt like I was letting everyone down being that first person to go. I mean, people won't know this, uh, Josh, but at one point a few years ago, you were almost off to Northampton Saints, weren't you? Uh, yeah. I, thought, I think you'd almost signed a pre-contract and then obviously the lure of Stag at Wasps kept you there and I'm, I'm glad you did. It's just you never quite know what's around the corner. No, you don't. And did I ever want to leave Wasps? No. Did I want it to happen that way? Not at all. But I'm so grateful and so fortunate of how Quinns took me in 
you know, I, I signed the contract on the Wednesday night and I was in training on the Friday and it was just a complete whirlwind. We've always had good games. I've always had a few run-ins with Joe Marler on the pitch. So to go from being a foe to, I'll call him a friend now. Uh, <laughs> Work colleague. <laughs> well, I think we've bridged that gap. So we've uh, we've done well, but no, they, they were absolutely amazing. Everyone there has just made me feel welcome straight away. Can't tell you how nervous I was going in, which as a 30-year-old was a bit strange. And it wasn't just that, it was the physical aspect of what happened at WASH. You know, I'd lost three kilos in the space of like three days just from not eating, not sleeping, like panicking. So I'd gone in there and they were like, what's your normal weight? And I was like, oh yeah, about 100 kilos stepped on the scales and I was 96, 97. So it's just all them things that you don't account for. But no, like I said, Quinns were absolutely amazing. Just you've described it like, you know, it must have been devastating when you got the news in that room, everyone together. Because I think for me, what I realised is, you know, I think what a lot of people realised through your situation and the Worcester situation was, you're not just work colleagues. You're not just like teammates. You're like mates, mates. So to spend every single minute of every day with those people and then for that to suddenly stop like that mentally, I'd have thought that has taken a massive toll on you all. 100%, you know, like I said, I'd been at WASP for nine years. WASP had been my one constant for nine years of my life. Like I've been there before I had my children, before I'd met Rosie, all these things that, you know, I went in there every day and it was where I felt comfortable and I loved going in every day. So kind of have that ripped away from you not leaving on your terms or not knowing it was coming was tough. There's some positives to come though, isn't there? I mean, hopefully, Josh, we'll see them back in the championship next season. There's obviously still a lot of work to be done, but I mean, how great will that be to see the Wasp name back and play? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's in great hands with Chris Holland and I think there'll be a lot of emotion when they do play again, but the main overriding one will be happiness just to see that club back where it should be. Playing rugby in the top flight of domestic and European games will be amazing. How much are you looking forward to joining Leicester next season? What was it that appealed to you most about joining them? Obviously, you could naturally fit into the retiring Chris Ashton shoes, can't you now, and take that, take up that mantle? Well, I'm not that old, not quite that old. Yet, <laughs> actually, but... No, you look at Leicester, you look at Welford Road, you know, it's always been one of my favourite grounds to play at, and that's going, you know, <laughs> as an away team. And then you look at how they built over the last you know, two years, it's been absolutely amazing, kind of how they deliver physically when we were reviewing them last day of the season, you know, they've got frets everywhere. And it's a rugby town, it's a rugby city, you know, everyone loves it. You go there, they're rugby mad. I'm, I'm from Birmingham and, I, you know, I see Tiger shirts walking around here, like you, you forget how big the pull is of that. And then you look at like the East Midlands derbies, you know, yeah, it's them things that just pull you to that club. There's always quite a lot of talk, isn't there, about kind of growing rugby and attracting new or, or bigger audiences to the game. You mentioned it there, seeing Leicester Tiger shirts in Birmingham. And like in your time at Quinns, though, you've taken part in their big game, their big summer kickoff at Twickenham Stadium. They're always brilliant events. So from a player's perspective, what would you like to see clubs or Premiership rugby? I suppose just doing a bit better, more of to bring, I don't know, a bigger spotlight on the game. Is that something like players discuss? Yes, it is, especially us older players who have been around for a while now. You look at rugby as it is, and if I was where I was in my career at 22, 23, I'd be terrified now. I was fortunate to be, you know, at a point where the game was just expanding, growing, salary caps getting larger and larger, 
I wasn't a regular premiership starter. I was someone who maybe had a bit of potential that needed a bit of faith put in. If I was in that position now, I'd be terrified because you look at players that aren't going to get contracts, losing two clubs, other clubs, you know, struggling. It's a tough place to be. I think the RFU doing the Premiership and Championship Cup, I think that is an absolute no-brainer. I think that will allow all for the Championship, more money in there. I think that's absolutely amazing. I think the tough one for me that I've spoke about to a few of the lads over the last kind of maybe month or so is our core demographic of, say, 23 to 35 rugby-playing males. They kick off at the same time as we play games every week. So you're missing a massive part of your demographic who are going to come and watch and spend money to allow the game to grow. But they're playing. We want the community game to be strong because that is where players come from. But we need them to watch. So... For me, it's can we, you know, get premiership games to start later so they can play at their local clubs and they can go to the games later. I think universities need to be targeted more. I think that was one of the big things that WAS were just about to reach into was, you know, we had Coventry University, Warwick University, Birmingham have got three universities within 30 minutes. Were we getting uni students down enough, giving them different deals, giving them an area to make a party atmosphere? Then you also have your family atmosphere, you have your corporate but we've got to diversify to allow the game to grow. I think the women's game has been absolutely fantastic. I think that's growing strength to strength. You see that with obviously Quinns having a big game, having the largest attendance for a club game. Absolutely amazing. That's what we need. We need to bring it all together and we need to make rugby the spectacle because on the pitch, players are delivering. Teams are delivering. Like the game's are thrilling every week it's high scoring you know it's coming down to last play of games that's what we want so how can we make sure it's growing i think social media we need to allow people to repost retweet whatever the content get taken down because people haven't got the rights to use it just seems absolutely crazy like you can do that when the game is sustainable but at the minute it isn't we need to grow it we need to get different countries different people just interested in it well, listen, you but you heard it here. There's some fantastic ideas. Josh, let's talk about life outside of the rugby field, apart from just dealing with that. I think, was it during lockdown or, or just after you managed to set up a business with uh, former teammate Brad Shields, who I think is getting a suntan in Perpignan at the moment? Unsurprisingly for rugby players, it's, uh, it's a drink. Tell us a little bit more about the business, uh, how people can get hold of it, what your plans are, and yeah. So we, well... I say we, that's bad. I'm going to chuck Brad under the bus with myself there. I've always had to dodge drinking beer. I don't like it, which <laughs> as, as a rugby player has, has obviously been very tough. So it's always been cider for me. And then cider, it feels like it's going to dissolve my teeth. So I was like, right, I need to find something. <laughs> I need to find something that's a bit healthier, but something that I'm going to enjoy. Heard of these hard seltzers that were coming over from America. Got them home, was like so excited to try and then was just really underwhelmed with what was inside the can. So I mentioned this to Brad. He mentioned some similar ones from New Zealand. So we were like, right, maybe there's something in between here. So in lockdown, we both bought a soda stream, taking it back to the 80s, bought these different flavorings, pretending we were mixologists. Getting very <laughs> like a little chemistry. That sounds fun. <laughs> exactly. Trying all these different recipes. And we, we got to something that we thought was really good. Tried it on the, the lads first, obviously at WAS, who, you know, will always give you honest feedback. And they were like, we actually think you've got something there. So fast forward nine months, we managed to get to using actually the WAS Legends contact book, which was amazing. Managed to get to a product in a can. And then from there, we've just slowly built probably over the last 18 months, selling mainly online, have a social.com to start with. 
and then we've built up uh, various events. We've recently got into Twickenham for this summer, starting with the big summer kickoff, which is absolutely amazing. We've been in at the Stoop, and then this summer we've got various Sevens festivals. Which ones are you at? We've got Edinburgh, Cheltenham, Leeds Sevens with the main drink sponsor for, so that's really, really exciting. So, yeah, it's good to have, you know, something to focus on outside of rugby, you know, something we've learned more in two years doing that than I did in the two years of my uni course. It's just, we've done everything. We've done product development, marketing, accountancy, because it is literally just me and Brad. We do everything. So do you do all the reading and he does the heavy lifting? Is that the <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you like to think I'm the ideas man and he's more hands-on. He's a lot better at writing emails and getting all that stuff. He's the account man. He's the yeah, account. The, the logistics. So It's going really well, well isn't it? Uh, hopefully. We've got some big events, like I said. This, so like Twickenham was massive for us. They've been absolutely fantastic going to go down for the premiership final and the bar bars versus the world 15s and run a bar maybe because that's what we want social wasn't just about a drink that tasted good but it's about bringing people back together and that's what we love about rugby and that's why we wanted to to use the rugby family to kind of do that so yeah you know what you said you've learned a lot i'll tell you what you haven't learned is keeping your clothes on because that's all i'm (laughs) seeing on social media (laughs) is you wearing your veggie smugglers when you're promoting (laughs) social so like whose idea was that so unfortunately it was mine like i said i'm the ideas man we're actually really lucky to have a quite a strong partnership with budding smugglers and we're like right how are we going to show these and dare i say it you've got to play to your strengths and What are you saying your strengths are then, Josh? The one thing I've been good at is always having a low body fat percentage. That's it. Okay. Uh, um, no, we wanted social to, we didn't want to be taken serious with it. We wanted it to be a bit of fun. That's mine and Brad's personalities. That's where we wanted it to be. So we're trying to tread that line of being a little bit out there, but not too far. So I'm going to try and wear some clothes for the next few adverts. <laughs> I reckon. Okay. We'll come and have one, Josh, after the Prem Final, lol, yes? Definitely. Have a social. Perfect. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. 
We obviously watched yesterday's game disappointing for Leicester not to make it. What's your thoughts now on the final? Who do you think is going to win? I think if Saris can do what they've done all season, which is lead with their physicality and then let their players show their X factor like they did, um, you know, the kicks in behind are causing a lot of trouble for teams. But then I think Sale were really methodical yesterday. And if they took a few more of them opportunities, then I think they would have run away with it. So I think it's going to be tight. I do probably favour Saris going into it, but I think Sale have got players in key areas that can dictate a game. So it's going to be a great final. So what are you saying? Are you going to sit on the fence? I'm going to say Saris. Okay, I'll say Saris. you're going to say Saris. Okay, before we let you go, Josh, um, you're going to get tackled now by Lawrence Delalio. Tackled. Speedy winger that you are, I've no doubt you'll fly through all of these questions. What's your full name, please? Josh Marcus Andrew Bassett. Nice. Favourite takeaway? It'd have to be pizza. What do you have for breakfast? Yeah, I'm into Greek yogurt at the moment with a bit of granola, honey, some strawberries on top. But that's full fat. I've gone on to full fat Greek yogurt. I hadn't really tried it. Always gone 0% and now I've gone full fat and I don't think I'm ever going to go back. <laughs> What's your nickname? So I've had a, a few through the times. At WAS, it was John Barrett because commentators always get my name wrong and they call me John Barrett. So, And then I had a few at Quinn's. I had Shirley. Why? Of Shirley Bassey. Oh, okay. So, right, yeah. yeah. Which was a new one. I'd never had that before. Sea bass, another one. The Quins lads, they like to chuck in a few different ones. Drum and bass. <laughs> those... <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to get that one to stick, but you know what it's like with nicknames. When you try and push one, it doesn't work. Who's the most famous person in your phone book? I'm going to have to go James Haskell, you know. Oh, super... no, surely, oh no. no. Surely not. Delete him immediately. Delete him. Superstar DJ. We've got a residency in Ibiza now somehow. Has he? I know, yeah. He's off to... I saw him a couple of days ago, actually. He's in good form, thankfully. Um, who is the funniest person that you know, either inside the changing room or outside? Who's the person that made you laugh the most? I'm going to have to go in my podcasting partner in crime, Tom Cruise. He's a good boy. Such, very funny. Yes, very funny. What's the Josh Bassett? What's Shirley's karaoke song when you have to get up on the mic? I'm going to be greedy and go for two. I've got Vanessa Carlton and Nicki Minaj Super Bass. Ah, oh, what a tune. Yeah, so I would say Super Bass is probably my go-to because oh, I can, can do oh. the whole rap at the beginning. Can you? Which, yeah. Do you want to give us a rendition? The Twickenham at the final, have a social, yes. super bass. We're coming for that, Josh. We're coming for that. Uh, who's the best rugby player of all time for you? Who was the person that got you super excited about playing rugby and thought, do you know what, it's changed the game for me. I'm going to take up that sport. So my first rugby memory is being in my local football club at 10am in the morning. I'd never heard of rugby before and the... 2003 World Cup final was on and I was like oh this is why we've come down here is it so I was so used to playing football and then watching that and obviously Johnny Wilkinson slotting that drop goal and just that whole game really that's what kind of first introduced me to rugby and then it took me a few more years but then yeah I think that's the moment that initially just got me into rugby it's a bit cliche because everyone talks about that moment but it was it's the first memory I've got of rugby Brilliant. And um, what's your most memorable rugby moment? You've played in some big games. You've had you've achieved some incredible things in your career and hopefully even more to come. What's been the, the moment to date? I think scoring the decider against Leicester in the semi-final in 2017 in the corner, coming off the bench, the energy in that stadium and just, you know, I was pretty young at the time. So to get that opportunity was, was absolutely amazing. And it's one that will stay with me. Well, listen, Josh, thank you so much for being our guest on the pod. We wish you lots of luck, continued success. 
with social and uh, yeah good luck for next season with Leicester Tigers it's going to be a great journey for you no, thank you so much for having me So, only two games to chat about from this weekend, but both were big old semi-finals. First up, Saracens and Northampton. Lawrence, you and I were there at the Stonex. The Saris booked their place in the final with a 38-15 win over the Saints. Now, Northampton made a bit of a comeback in their second half, but I don't know, it never really looked like it was going to be anything other, I guess, than a home win for Saris, lol, did it? No, and look, the percentage wins of home uh, semi-finals in the Premiership go back a long way and I think there's there's been a handful of away teams and, you know, our listeners will have their own arguments as to whether we think it's fair. I'm sort of moving towards the conversation you had earlier around growing the game. Why don't we have a neutral venue, Twickenham, for a semi-final? Do like the FA Cup and put... But all, then would we not lose the jeopardy then at the no, end of the season? Of well, I just, think, I just think four teams playing on one day. I mean, Sale have now got one less day's recovery, haven't they? I mean, they could have played Friday night. But I think if you're trying to create a big event, you know, you need to have that go-to fixture. Imagine 90,000 people watching that semi-final. Anyway, that's that's for the future. Um, Saracens absolutely deserve to win that game. I said in the pod a few weeks ago, last week, that it was a really important game for Saracens and they absolutely passed it with flying colours. Never in doubt, really. 21-3 up at half-time. I mean, if you're going to beat a team like Saracens, you've got to start better than Northampton did. And... I feel sorry for Northampton because they're better than what they showed at the weekend. And that's the biggest disappointment. You know, there's so much more to their game. You can't wait till the second half to try and beat Saracen. So, yeah, it was um, one-way traffic. Owen Farrell's playing brilliantly. Sean Maitland, uh, another two tries for him. Be interested to see if he stays. Yeah, I just thought that they were workmanlike, really. Um, very. Um, there's so much more that Saracens could achieve, I think, with this group of players. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they go and play the final now. Yeah, how do you think they're going to go and play the final? Because I know Mark McCall said last season that, you know, it wasn't the fact that they lost the final that was disappointing for him. It was the fact that when they got there, that they kind of played within themselves a little bit. And that's kind of almost been the driving force for them, I think, this season, because we have seen this more expansive game, isn't it? Yeah, they, they have. And, and to be fair to Mark McCall, he said, look, it is a new team. We've had to, you know, post-championship season, release a, a lot of players and we've brought in a lot of young players. So this is a group that, again, are learning how to win again. Listen, they'll go there as favourites. They'll throw the ball around like they usually do. And if Owen Farrell is kicking and playing like he is at the moment, I mean, well, we'll talk about Sale in a minute, but the Ford v Farrell, you could, it's just a fantastic way to market and launch the Premiership final. Absolutely. It's a brilliant side plot. Then on Sunday, Steve, um, as I'll just mentioned, it was Sale that was celebrating with the victory over current champions, Leicester Tigers. The final score up in the Northwest was 21-13. It was physical, hard fought, um, but Sale, worthy winners, Steve. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there'll be a lot of players carrying a lot of bruises, I think, after that one yesterday. Um, I think we saw the top three were probably by far the three best teams that we'd seen this season. And obviously to have two of them playing against each other, it was always going to be a close contest. Went right down really to the final quarter. George Ford, you just mentioned him, was masterful. I thought Tom Curry, again, outstanding. I think the only slight worry Sale will have is on those three key injuries that they've picked up really post that. Obviously, Ben Curry isn't going to play, loss, I would imagine. Big loss for them. Dan Dupree came off injured as well and Johnny Hill was limping around. So I think they really need the three of those fit. Uh, but the one performance I'd like to highlight from that game was Wayne Barnes. How good did he referee that game? I thought he was superb. Yeah, he got he got a little bit tetchy, didn't he? he? Got a bit angry at one point. He's uh, he's very calm, but he, the way he pulled he pulled two players to one side. I can't remember was it Ben Curry and one other. And he said, "You stand there, you there." 
Yeah. He, he had a Nigel Owens. He got really angry. It was just fun. <laughs> and then and then gave them both a lecture. He, he's fantastic. I mean, you know, listen, yeah. and a little word to him and the group that are going to the uh, Rugby World Cup because that was announced obviously quite recently. And yeah, some fantastic referees, him being the pick of the bunch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Okay, so we'll talk more in detail about the final uh, in next week's pod. But initial thoughts now. We know it's um, Sarri's sale final. Lawrence, just like a brief kind of, you mentioned how you think Sarri's are going to play, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, listen, first v second, you know, Ford v Farrell. I mean, what more do you want? You know, Alex Sanderson, uh, ex-Sarri's, having won a, a whole stack of trophies with Saracens up to sale. Uh, he's definitely taken steps forward with that group. If they don't win, it's still a very successful season. I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll make predictions next week, but it's it's going to be a real tough one. Uh, Sarri's favourites, um, but, you know, we won three finals without being favourites. <laughs> Always bringing back to Wasps. Well, no, I've just said it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an underdog. It's not It's not that. It's just being an underdog. I love no, being an underdog. And everybody loves game. an underdog. Yeah. Really. So, you know, Sale will be more than happy to go into that game as underdogs. But well, what I are. think is, yeah. but it's different for Sale this year, I think. For Sale now, Steve, they're not kind of just kind of happy to be there. You know, like I remember doing a game with them. I think it was the quarterfinals in Europe when they were in Stad and they literally kind of against them no it wasn't Stad it was against Russ in 92 when they came in to that fantastic stadium and it was almost like oh my gosh we're playing here that's amazing it was almost like they were happy to be there now they're like yeah, we're here. We deserve to be here. And that's the difference, I think. Yeah, I think Alex Anderson's changed that mentality, hasn't he? Completely from the top. Um, and uh, for me, I think the other aspect of this game, obviously, is Northern team versus Southern team. How great would it be to see the North coming out on top? I mean, it's what, 2006? So it's been a while. Uh, but we talk about growth of the game. I think we do need some more strength, some more plots up there where we see some better rugby and um, obviously then beating Saracens would just go down towards that. And how good was it to see Manu Tuolangi playing well? I mean, I, yeah. I think I, I think that, you know, I've been quite worried about him because he's picked in games and he touches the ball like two or three times and then he gets subbed off. And I'm thinking, well, what's he offering? But I saw that again this weekend, what he can offer a team when he takes the ball on and he gets go forward. And I thought he was superb. Um, so long may that continue. His set two with Anthony Watson was uh, quite funny. Yeah, as well, that was funny. At, wasn't it? at which point did he actually realise I'm not going to carry on with this? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of leads us, I guess, nicely to our next section, which is Player of the Week. Player of the Week with QBE Business Insurance. Be prepared. Should we let Steve go first? I Definitely. think, Steve, you can Definitely. go first this week. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm actually going to go back to that game. I'm going to go for Rob Dupree. I think it was his 35th consecutive start. And I think as a man who held sail together in Ford's absence, he did a fantastic job. Um, brilliant miss pass to set up the try for Tom Roebuck. So I'm going to go for Rob Dupree. Long? I'm going to go back to the game that I was at and Ben Earl is my outstanding player of the week and actually player of the season. I yeah, mean, same. Not sure. The guys who were, who were nominated in the Premiership Player of the Year award, they must have been on the port or something because, uh, I mean, Jasper Bisa's had a good season. Ben Earl's had a much better one. Every time he laces his boots, he just looks a really, really good player. So I think he's the outstanding player of the week and the outstanding player of the season. Okay, no, I agree about Ben Earl, but I am going to go with George Ford. Um, I loved um, Alex Anderson's assessment. What did he say? He said, a pocket of calm amid the chaos, which um, I think kind of sums up George's performance, doesn't it? He was 
pretty flawless. Um, big game from a big player. So there you go then. Okay, let's um, take a quick look ahead to what's to come this weekend. The big game is the European Champions Cup final. Um, as we see a repeat of last year's clash between Leinster and La Rochelle Lawrence. Both clubs lost though at the weekend. So Leinster were beaten by a last minute or last I was just, I think it was like with the 78th minute or something like that. I dropped goal for Munster in the URC semi final. And La Rochelle lost to Montpellier in their top 14 game. So, Lawrence, who is your money on to take the title? Yeah. I mean, I think we can disregard the, the results because they were resting all their top players. But um, I think that we've all said Leinster all season. I'm not going to change my mind. I think Ronan O'Gara, La Rochelle's coach, has done a brilliant job there. He brought them success to do it twice against Leinster, well, three times actually, because they've won both fixtures that they've played them in. They, they beat them in a semi-final in, in 21, final in 22. So to do it three times, I think, would be asking too much, especially in the backyard of Leinster. So I think there's just that little bit of extra motivation. But what a final it's going to be. We're all there. Can't wait to be there. Very excited. It's going to be good, isn't it? Steve, are you agreeing with Law? I am, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it's officiated. We've got our first South African in charge of a Champions Cup final in Yako Piper. I still don't know how to pronounce his surname. Piper, Paper, however Piper, it is. But I mean, yeah. They, yeah, they've already started the mind games, I think, with James Tracy coming out and saying it's going to be interesting to see how the breakdown is officiated. And um, I hope Leinster win. I mean, there's a part of me that doesn't really like the way La Rochelle play, which is basically just big and strong and trying to knock you off the ball. But we'll see. Big is beautiful, Steve. Big is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's going to be a great game anyway, isn't it? For sure. It's going to be a great weekend uh, as well with Glasgow uh, Toulon not on Friday night. So it's going to be good. It will indeed be good. We'll take a look back next week at the huge game that is the European Cup final. But for now, that's all for this episode. My thanks to the lovely Sarah <laughs> and to Steve and to our wonderful guest, Josh Bassett. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.